Tacky Talk Time, State Representative Tacky Chan of Quincy is joining us mobily today. Tacky, you're on the road. I am indeed on the road. Uh, we've done this a few times to show that my commitment to QA TV and Joe Carolano knows no bounds uh, as, as far as I can. And uh, we've done this in the car a few times and uh, have, have experimented more than once trying to get my camera phone in the right spot. Yeah, we're going to have to change it to um, uh, traveling techie talk. <laughs> well, uh, that is true. I, I actually, uh, if I can be someplace and we're willing to chat, I will do it. <laughs> uh, how, are, how are you doing? Well, a little exhausted. Uh, it's been very busy since I last talked to you last uh, week. Uh, you know, I had a friend's wedding over the weekend. So I ended up in Northampton. That was a drive. And then I was in... Uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, for the Automobile Innovative Alliance, talk about the future electric vehicles, uh, which was a great conference to be at. We really got updated about uh, the future of not just manufacturing cars, what the new technology looks like, but also the impact it has on the electrical grid system and some uh, macro, as I say, a real macro point of view, uh, which we don't get at our level. And let's be honest about it. I mean, when you're working at our level of government, it can be very provincial. And we're only in our own little world of thinking about how things work. So, you know, it's a good idea for us to get out there to uh, learn about the big picture and uh, see what the rest of the country is doing, uh, in this case, also the rest of the world. And then we can bring that knowledge back to our uh, local level and state level and see what things apply and don't apply. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, as you're well aware, this coming Sunday, September 24th, uh, Quincy Asian Resources uh, teaming up with green energy consumers to have an electric vehicle test drive day at the South Shore YMCA. Yeah, well, we did this uh, last year, I believe, at Quincy High School. Uh, they did a wonderful job to bring great awareness on electric vehicles and electric bikes. I do understand that not everybody can afford one right now, but I think it's a good idea for everyone to test drive at no cost to you and no commitments to see what the future holds. And uh, should you find yourself in a position to get a new vehicle, you know, obviously we encourage people to uh, use uh, cars with less emissions. Um, but again, it's an individual choice. I fully respect that. And I'm fully aware that interest rates have uh, spiked even car loans uh, well past 6%. So, you know, I suspect for at least uh, two more years, uh, people are going to stretch out in, uh, their cars as long as possible, even if it's reaching close event life. Uh, now, I've already talked this before. It's going to definitely affect uh, home purchases for the next two years. Oh, absolutely. Although just this past week, we saw the Fed uh, left the rates uh, alone this time around. Yeah, uh, Fed Chief Powell, uh, basically left rates loans. It was expected. Uh, he did state there will be at least one more hike, uh, which most likely 0.25% sometime before the year's close. It is now September, so that leaves you October, November, December. So uh, the logic dictates is probably going to be another hike in November. One of the interesting things that changed from the Fed's message, and again, they may change the message again in the next couple of months, is the intention not to lower rates uh, to, uh, to 2024. And they were anticipating maybe doing three possible rate reductions. Um, now they're looking at maybe two in 2024. And the, again, they may change their minds in a couple of months based on the data. But, you know, you all see gas prices going up. Uh, you saw that electric, uh, you may have seen the press release that uh, the electrical uh, utility companies are doing a 26 percent. Uh, I'm sorry, 20 percent, 26 percent reduction from last year's rates at the same time for your basic service. But it's a slight, I believe, 3% increase on your natural gas service uh, for the six-month period under basic service and the utilities. So uh, energy is coming down, but you see that gas at the pump is still going up. And oil is about $100 a barrel. So, you know, it isn't as if 
we're done with inflation yet. Energy, of course, is a big part of inflation prices. And um, it, it's, you know, it's going to be in your pocketbook this winter. And student loans come to effect at the beginning of August, um, so October 1st. And I'm sure the feds will come up ways for you to defer payment if you qualify or new payment programs based on income. But, you know, people can be pinched in. Uh, and wage inflation is slowing but not stopped. And uh, inflation is coming down. But as I talked all the time here with you, um, you, you got to get wages ahead of inflation for people to actually get ahead. And right now, it hasn't quite made the move because wages are, are dropping, but inflation has not. Exactly. Yeah, it's simple, simple economics, um, you know, <laughs> supply and demand. If, uh, if if price is going up as fast or faster than you're earning, then you're still going to be left behind the eight ball. Yeah, and I think you also see at the grocery market, too. I mean, they keep talking about food inflation coming down. It is, but it doesn't count the wage inflation at the supermarket, right? So you're, you're, um, you're, you're still paying for stuff. The food is maintaining a high value because of the labor costs associated with the business. You know, same thing as they built in the electrical price, uh, price, right? Natural gas prices. I mean, all the other uh, costs of doing business built into your groceries. Um, same thing at restaurants. So, uh, yes, uh, whole food sale prices are declining, but services pricing, you know, like I said, the price of doing business uh, in a supermarket hasn't dropped. So yeah. this is kind of the real mixed messaging that you see in the news that, yeah, food prices dropping. You go to the market. Well, clearly it hasn't dropped a lot uh, right. or at all. Yeah. And uh, it's because labor market shortage. Most, yeah, because they went up so much that even dropping a little bit is still very high. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. uh, seeing as we're talking about energy, um, Tacky, mm -hmm. I wonder if we can explain um, this. The city council just earlier this week uh, issued a resolve asking for approval of this municipal aggregation program to help lower energy costs. What I mean, I know that eventually has something to do with the state. What exactly is that? All right. Municipal aggregation is a creation back from 1999 under the, when we deregulated uh, electricity and forced the utility, utility companies to divest all the electrical generation with a couple little exceptions that we've created, including things like the solar panels you see off the expressway, the national grid gas tanks. That's actually one of the few exceptions regarding allowing utility to do generation. So part of that law was creating municipal aggregation, which allows a municipality uh, to submit an application to DPU to allow it to choose its own electrical generation on the open market. However, you have to be aware of this, that should it pass, you have to opt out. It's an automatic opt-in, meaning consumers uh, in Quincy, for example, if it passes, you know, should get, we'll get a letter from the city saying that you can choose to get out. Otherwise, we're forcing you into municipal aggregation. The theory is that on a competitive marketplace for energy, given the size of the customer base and a bidding process, you should get a very good price and hopefully lock into a contract between one and maybe five years, depending on um, the decision makers at the uh, municipal level. It has worked well for some communities when energy prices spiked, like you saw last year, when you, you know, lock into a fixed a kilowatt per hour contract. On the flip side, it can hurt you. Uh, should there be a massive decline in uh, energy prices and you're still locked in at a higher price, which, uh, you know, you need some degree of expertise um, at the municipal level to understand long-term energy markets. But if you just kind of go in there and decide, oh, we're just a bid process and we don't have to think about this and not look at the larger energy market, 
Well, you could actually lose uh, your consumers uh, can lose money in the deal because you didn't figure out the aggregate average would be over the time period of the contract that you would have. So right now it's pending a DPU. The state delegation has asked DPU to expedite its review process is a quasi-judicial agency. I can't influence the move any faster than asking about it. The council is obviously eager to do this. I can't speak to the specific application uh, because i not one to judge if the application is correct. That's the DPU's job to do. So, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. The city gets to choose uh, energy supply by bid. Um, hopefully, uh, they are wise enough to hire somebody who actually knows about long-term energy. As you can tell, I know something about something. And um, you have to opt out uh, if we should be approved and they uh, able to get a, a long-term energy contract. But can't an individual customer do that on their own right now? Absolutely. You have energy choice currently since 1999. Uh, to choose your own energy supplier. And I do encourage people to shop around. But again, you kind of have to look at your past energy usage on your bill, how many kilowatt hours you use over the past year, look at what the energy price you got from the utility company, or if you already have a third-party supplier, look at what they provided, look what the you know, what other um, energy providers provide. You can look at it online. They can send you a quote. And, you know, I, again, encourage people to read the whole document. One of the problems that I hear from folks is that they didn't read the entire document about whether there's any uh, variable rates, uh, fuel cost passage, or uh, automatic adjustments down the road, and also auto renew. This is actually one of the issues I've been working on is better clarity about auto renew because uh, you gotta you gotta know what you you're signing. So um, uh, I do encourage people to shop for energy. I do also express people to be cautious about how to shop for energy and to you know get uh, be uh, fully knowledgeable. Uh, before you sign a contract yeah it's a, it's a great piece of advice would would an individual consumer get the same rates that the city would no okay no uh because the city would try to sell itself as a bulk contract okay. meanwhile the uh re the small residentials uh consumer or even industrial or commercial consumer looking for their own energy supply uh would be competing against other residential and uh commercial industrial depending on what you what you're trying to do, uh, and there'll be other companies are in your area all competing for the same price. The prices are disclosed on the websites. It's not like they don't know what they're offering each other. It's whether or not they can offer you the best plan, um, and you know any additional service. For example, they can offer like a fixed rate for one month for like a hundred dollars. You just pay a hundred dollars. That's it. But you know, starting you know month number two, you pay the whatever the rate is that right. you sign a contract. So you're seeing a lot of these things like similar cable TV contracts. Mm -hmm. When we had competitive cable uh, <laughs> one time uh, where they're like, you know, give you three months at one rate. And then, you know, after that, we, we go back to the rate you get uh, based on uh, what's there. And again, it would change once the contract's up. You know, the market may change for whether it be windmills or, or, or natural gas. It doesn't matter. Uh, they're not fixed because uh, the uh, the energy company needs to make the money. The, the debt holders need their payments, you know, and the shareholders have to get paid as well. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting. There's so much to it. You really, as you're saying, you really do need to uh, read and understand everything carefully before you sign your name. Yeah, energy policy is something I've been doing better part of my adult life. I mean, you know, back in the old days, you know, Michael Morrissey, I mean, he chaired government regulations when we actually had a committee called that. And, you know, he championed uh, out uh, the deregulation law that allows you consumer choice, as well as a number of other industries, including expanded energy efficiency, um, uh, greater accountability regarding utility companies on the service qualities. 
you know, and a number of other things that, you know, you're, you enjoy now uh, that, you know, he worked on it and I was in the office past all those years. So, mm-hmm. you know, I also did my time in the AG's office. I was your ratepayer advocate in the AG's office as a, a class action of uh, residential customers. And obviously I had to learn about rates and science and all that in addition to the public policy end uh, when I was with Michael Morrissey. And I did a long stint uh, in the legislature uh, as elected uh, uh, seven years uh, as the, on the Committee of Telecom Utilities and Energy, and also was serving for vice chair for uh, a blink of an eye, it feels like, before I became chair of Consumer Protection Professional Legislature. And as you can tell, I haven't quite let go because Speaker Mariano you know, put me in a conference committee last year on energy and climate change. So, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me this year. I've not talked to the speaker about uh, possible conference committee assignments, but clearly, uh, you know, on Beacon Hill, folks know I do know what I'm doing here. Yes, yeah, and it's a lot to know. And it's important to point out, too, um, to be aware of scrupulous actors in the energy field, right? If folks are coming to your door asking to look at your energy bill, uh, close the door. <laughs> Absolutely. You didn't have to show the energy bill. Did not provide them, you know, a driver's license number. Uh, you know, I encourage people, if you're uncomfortable, take the piece of paper, put it to the side. There'll be information online. You can read the paper. Uh, but you shouldn't make any snap decisions, whether it be at the mall or uh, in front of a store or if they come to your home. I don't encourage snap decisions and energy because you should be able to shop uh, because there's plenty of games in town. Sure. Um, let's talk about the MBTA techie. Oh boy, I hear your topic. <laughs> Uh, The governor actually just earlier this week uh, met with the head of the Federal Transit Administration to tell them, hey, we know there's a problem. We're dealing with it. Well, uh, the feds ain't letting up on us, as you can tell, Uh, you know, given all the problems that I don't have to repeat. You guys all know by watching the news and using the T, public safety is still the number one priority of the MBTA right now. I know the inconveniences of not being on time, but your choice is derailment or delay. And I hate to put it as simple. A friend asked me about this before, about the speed issues. And, you know, like I said, I was out Congressman and Senator Keenan, someone's back, understanding the rail placement. And uh, I don't know how they did it 50 years ago, but, you know, today they test it when they uh, put the rail down. They uh, run the trains over at slow speed to let it settle. They test it again to make sure it's structurally correct and everything's lined up. They run a train again through it to make sure and it has to be at a slow speed to make sure it settles correctly. Uh, if it's not settled correctly, you know, you're going to have a tragedy. That's just the bottom line. And you don't want to hear it, but, you know, I'm not going to test your life uh, against a, a slowdown. I'm, I'm sorry to say that, folks. So, you know, obviously the federal government has the same attitude about train safety and also employee safety. So, you know, I don't envy a general manager, uh, Philip Ng, uh, whatsoever uh, regarding this as he's trying to tackle uh, the orange line, the red line in particular, plus any other possible mishaps that may happen. You know, as you all know, green line stuff keeps happening just because it's the nature of the green line above ground. Um, well, trying to work on a budget deficit, uh, not just because of reduced ridership, but as we talked earlier, rising cost of doing business, especially electricity. And uh, the MBTA rail system is one of the biggest electric customers in the state. Uh, and uh, it doesn't matter if you use uh, competitive supply or not. It, it's, it's still enormous power drain. It doesn't matter if it's one uh, customer on the T or, or uh, 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 you know, 100 people on the T. Uh, the energy cost is going to be the same uh, regardless. Uh, and, you know, people always think, oh, uh, you're, you're packed to train all the time. Well, actually not right now. It's a lot less packed. But still, you know, it is packed. Uh, compared to pre-COVID, but it's still packed. But I mean, if it's like 11.30 at night, it's not going to seem volume as it does at 
you know, between six and 10 a.m. Right. So, but if it does use the same amount of energy, right, the, the rates might be lower at that time. That's the only difference. The rates might be lower. If they have a fixed contract, maybe not. You know, but it's you know, oh, what we yeah. call off-peak usage, right? If you use electricity when there's a low usage time period, generally the demand is down and the price also goes down to demand. Um, high demand, high cost, simple economics. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's good to see the governor taking initiative. And, you know, the legislative uh, legislature had a uh, Microsoft Teams call with a general manager, Ng, uh, last week. He gave us some uh, updates Um I think you already seen the news. It seems like we just get the pre-update before it actually hits the press regarding their uh, maintenance issues. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to do that every three or so months, give or take. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, at some point, I mean, the Quincy delegation is going to have to see a digital manager himself. Uh, but they are, uh, you know, working hard to try to keep us updated as much as possible. And, you know, and I'm also advocating with Senator Keenan and Bruce Ayers, you know, uh, regarding the um, commuter rail uh, price issue. Uh, where they're going to back to food price Camaro's Quincy Center, as opposed to maintaining the uh, light rail price, the subway price uh, that have been doing uh, throughout the delay period. So the excuses they say is because some of the tunnels open. But the Santa Tunnels are open all the time. I mean, oh. I just flew out to Columbus um, on Sunday to go to the electric vehicle conference. The Santa Tunnel was closed. I, you know, mm -hmm. I took the Braintree Express in from Quincy, which you know I, I encourage. Um, go, go online, you save a dollar, uh, you don't have to pay nine versus 10. Um, but you know, it takes, you know, another car off the road and with the summer closed, I mean, it's all backed up. So at least, uh, Logan Express has some ability to use the HOV lane, uh, to expedite your travel to Logan. Um, can you update us on the status of the supplemental budget bill, Tacky? Any discussion on that? I have no idea what's going on just yet. I mean, we're doing the closeout <laughs> budget. Well, I mean, I just tell you guys the truth. I'm going to sit here and just pretend. Uh, it is a closeout budget. Um, the fiscal year is closed, um, as you all know, at the beginning of, Jan of July and June. Uh, but we actually have what we call the final reconciliation, which is done in the month of October. And uh, this is the uh, final, final accounting of the fiscal year uh, 23's budget. So uh, including the budget includes a number of collective bargaining contracts. I'm very aware of it. I'm getting emails from public employees. Um, and it's already been baked into the main budget. You just have to authorize its expenditure. So it doesn't really add any more to the budget. It's already baked in. Um, and the governor, obviously, you hear, wants to add another $250 million in one-time funding regarding the migrant emergency housing issue. Now, I just want to remind folks, this is emergency housing, which any of us can access if you're a resident of Massachusetts. Um, it does not apply to public housing. You have to be a permanent resident or you a citizen to apply for public housing. So it does not affect that end of the housing assistance. Um, and, you know, and the speaker's correct and the Senate president's correct. And actually, the entire legislature is in the same position is that we don't have a great understanding about um, what is really going on and what is their plan uh, moving forward. Um, and I get it. They're drinking out of fire hose. People, 50 people, 25 to 50 people are averaging showing up at a welcome center uh, and then being sent out to someplace else. Uh, but, I mean, it's going to strain uh, not just our financial resources on the emergency shelter component, but, you know, people need to get fed. People need to get, you know, diapers. People are need health care. Um, many of these folks may not be vaccinated or come with medical conditions. And, you know, I've seen uh, folks at the New uh, uh, Eastern Nazarene College. Uh, they're pregnant. They need medical care. I mean, you know, and... We're, I think we're a civilized people here. I mean, we're not going to let pregnant women 
uh, be just kind of left on their own. I mean, we're not going to do that. Uh, so, you know, we want some more clarity about a larger plan. I do understand the feds are a problem here. Again, I still say this over and over again. They treat this as a security problem, not a humanitarian crisis. And uh, we know the feds have money. I mean, you all know that. So they're not really uh, thinking this as such. And I'm a little surprised that the federal delegation uh, hasn't you know, come out in public and just start you know, demanding out of the Biden administration cash on this or at least, you know, make it part of their next appropriation as we have a potential looming government shutdown again at the Fed level at the end of this month. So I'm surprised we haven't heard a peep about, you know, any uh, congressional person saying, hey, maybe we should put some money in for the migrant situation. It's affecting a lot of states. Yeah, I guess there was action taken on the expedi expediting um, work visas, temporary work visas at least. So that's that will help some. Yeah, as you all know, we have a labor shortage. Um, you know, these folks are here uh, to get away from a very dangerous crisis that affects them and their families. And work is priority uh, for folks because that's what they need to do uh, if they're going to be able to feed their families in the long run. So you know, hopefully, you know, the feds make this process acceptable that we can, you know, help them you know, process this paperwork and then, you know, get folks working. And uh, I'm going to tell you, there ain't no shortage of uh, jobs out there. Um that, that they can potentially fill. Um, the president of Ukraine is at the White House today, Tacky. <laughs> well, he's been uh, a little more uh, in the U.S. than he has in the past since the beginning of the war. You know, we all understand beginning of the war, you really kind of got to stay there. It's a solidarity thing. It's important to be commander in chief in the midst of the war zone and whatnot. But I think it's also important for him to do visit countries to update, you know, the progress of the war, you know, from his lips. Uh, as opposed to you know having one of his lieutenants or generals talk about it or, or do it through a video call. Uh, if he wants our help, you know, he has to come by and tell us what's going on in person to the president, the Joint Chiefs, and the defense uh, to uh, you know explain the progress and no progress. Um, he also keeps in the world stage from a public relations component. Um, he's alive. He's there. You know they're not taking him out, and I think if the Russians take him out now, I think it's going to cause a different type of international crisis that really. You know, Vladimir Putin doesn't really want to face. Uh, I mean, this is the man, you know, asking from North Korea for weapons now. I mean, really. I mean, <laughs> he's not in good shape. He's asking North Korean for weapons. So, uh, you know, it's, I think this is good. I mean, he, uh, 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 Ukraine needs to, you know, leave uh, their country sometimes to, to update the rest of the world what's going on. And it's good public relations for them at home to see, you know, their leader, you know, with the leader of the, largest economy and the uh, mightiest military on the planet uh, standing next to him and show this solidarity. Anything exciting in the district uh, we should let folks know about? Um, it's been uh, pretty quiet um, in September. I mean, October things will pick up a bit on a few different levels. Uh, obviously, about the electric vehicle um, uh, test drive. Um, I'm actually working on a, a project on uh, getting... Um, uh, energy uh, inefficient appliances off off the street, so to speak, uh, that are obsolete. Um, I'm hoping we'll get that done sometime in mid-October. I don't want to overcommit to this just yet. We're still trying to get a permit from the city. There's a lot of hoops working through, but Natural Grid and a few other companies are going to be coming out of Lindsay to host this drive-by drop-off event. And 
talk about uh, energy efficient appliances and how you can get rebates and mass save and all that. But let's not jump again just yet. I'm still in the process of helping them out on, on getting the permits and whatnot. Uh, hopefully we'll have it at Quincy High School parking lot. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, you know, it's not in district, but October is actually very busy month for Asian countries. Uh, Korean Foundation Day, the foundation of Korea, they actually can trace their history back to the very first day of Koreans being Koreans uh, there. And uh, it's called Foundation Day. And then there'll be a couple of other Korean celebrations uh, around the state on that, and uh, including one at the state house I'm hosting. And uh, Taiwan uh, does what we call 1010 Day. It's the day that Sun Yat-sen uh, removed the emperor of uh, China and uh, installed the first republic. So, you know, that coming out October 10th, the Taiwanese government historically does that uh, event. Um, and then um, uh, Swahili is a, a domestic violence uh, organization targeting in particular South Asians. And, you know, we've had some chats with them and, you know, given the larger South Asian community in South Shore, you know, how can they you know, work with local organizations? And they have some events coming up in October as well. So, you know, some stuff at home, some stuff not at home, uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's going to be busy and I have a public hearing scheduled for October 2nd and uh, two weeks later will be uh, October 16th, 14 plus two. So October 16th, October 2nd, I have a public hearing set up on the committee level. Um, and uh, I got to set up some executive sessions as well. I got to start getting bills out of committee if I can get an agreement with the Senate on, on how to get this done. Um, and uh, I also got my own interesting bills at some point. I got to figure out which one chairman are kind of like liking. If other chairmen like it, then I have a chance to push it. Okay, so is the, is the stalemate between the House and Senate still in full force? Well, I've not seen, uh, I'm not seeing smoke out of, the, uh, out of the pyre, so to speak, if you know what a, <laughs> that reference makes. Uh, as I, okay. as the color of smoke has changed. I've not, uh, uh, I, I'm not clear what's going on still. Okay. Um, uh, I'm still not clear. Uh, uh, Speaker and the Senate President did have dinner, uh, as was mentioned by the um, Senate President on um, on the record on Channel Five. That, oh, okay. that was confirmed as a real thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. In of, person? <laughs> that was yeah. That was in person. It wasn't a vi okay. uh, video dinner. Uh, the outcome of which we'll wait and see what happens as um, the session moves forward and uh, the House and Senate leadership sets up the uh, formal session schedule. Um, and sets up the agenda for essentially, you know, a quick run because uh, we go back into recess uh, after the third Friday in November. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, that's only like two months away. Yeah. It's coming up. Quick. This is yeah. a job where you blink, you blink and suddenly you're, you're almost at Thanksgiving. I mean, it's so busy as you heard, I've already had, a, oops, oops, sorry guys. That's me tapping the visor. Um, you know, I already had a very busy week. Um, you know, I'm flat out until Columbus Day, and then you know it's I'll, I'll blink again, and next thing you know it's Halloween. One thing that is happening uh, this Saturday is Coast Sweep on Walston Beach. It got delayed um, because of Hurricane Lee last Saturday. Thankfully, we didn't have a hurricane, uh, but they're going to try and get it in um, this coming Saturday. Oh, well, it's supposed to rain Saturday. <laughs> Don't don't tell them that, thank you. <laughs> so my weather app tells me uh, I'll be at the Democratic uh, State Convention on Saturday. The Democratic okay. Convention on a non-election uh, year in terms of non-endorsement uh, of candidates year uh, is held in the fall now. It used to be held in May, um, actually June, just like the normal uh, regular one. But since um, 
I think like six years now, they moved it uh, the non uh, nominating year into uh, the fall. So I'll be at Lowell uh, as if I couldn't be busy enough. So tomorrow I'll be, uh, what am I doing tomorrow? Um, Building Inspector Association South Shore wants to see me tomorrow. I got to see them. Obviously, I got to get work done in the middle by phone, as you can tell I'm in the car, you know, or I'm reading documents when I get a half a breath when I'm not driving. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to help to low in the evening. Tomorrow, uh, there's some folks in the community, voting community that would like to see me and chat about issues that are important to them. And then um, go to the Democratic State Convention on Saturday morning, see uh, South Shore uh, Democrats you know, getting together and talk about important issues uh, to the Democratic State Committee and the, and the party in general, and um, probably make it back sometime in mid-late afternoon Saturday. So, and then Sunday, um, my good friend Keiko Oro, who's a former rep, um, has um, an opera based on Madame Butterfly. It's a new take on um, an old opera, old premise. Uh, you guys probably know Madame Butterfly. And there's actually a lot of societal biases that came out of that uh, that you may not be aware of but you still believe it because that's how this cultural uh some of these cultural things happen is that it creates perceptions in our mind and how people are and who they are uh through uh, entertainment and media but uh they're providing a new take on this uh, to kind of modernize it a bit uh from an asian american perspective uh on sunday so i'll be attending that and um and keiko's an old friend she's a former rep for uh lakeville Okay, Kaworo. So her husband's actually her replacement in the legislature when she uh, when she left. So, um, you know, I'm trying to meet both my uh, work obligations and my friend obligations uh, mm -hmm. as much as possible. <laughs> and tonight, you know, I'm going to be out with Senator John Cronin, my co-chair from Fitchburg, for dinner. And uh, we have a list of bills that my staff has printed out uh, for us to reveal um, as part of our dinner meeting. Always something going on. It's always something going on. Uh, although I, I do like um, uh, seeing my co-chairs over the few, yeah, actually quite a few years I've been the chair of this committee uh, because I think it's uh, get a lot of work done sitting across from each other at a table and just kind of like, you know, talking. And then a lot of ideas come up from just a casual conversation, um, you know, over dinner time. So, uh you know, from my standpoint, you know, I still prefer in-person conversation, uh, especially, um, you know, at the legislative level, as we're trying to work out agreements and, you know, share ideas on um, different policy pieces before the committee. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's preferential. You probably saw earlier this week the um, the latest MCAS results came out indicating, you know, the loss of learning that, that took place uh, during the during the pandemic when, when uh, kids were learning over their computers. Yeah, there's been studies actually very quickly uh, nationally uh, by a lot of universities about the impact on COVID uh, through that K through 12 level in particular and the impact on um, their education, but also impact society, society socialization. Um, and also uh, people that never came back to school, which as uh, we talked during COVID was a great concern uh, by legislators about what happened you know, two kids that never returned to the public school system. They go to private school. Did they drop out of school? What happened? Uh, because it isn't like, you know, we're a police state. It isn't like, you know, people, you know, the, the school department knows where your child is every minute, right? You, you take a kid out of enrollment. I mean, they didn't call you. But you don't have to pick up the phone, right? And, um, you know, maybe, like I said, they go to private school and they just dropped out completely. And, you know, I think the MCAS scores reflect a lot of that impact, not just 
um, the impact of education, but also we'll see how it plays out. Last get to give out your contact information, please. Yeah, a little short and day because uh, I'm in the car and hopefully the background noise wasn't too bad. Yeah, have the windows down because it's loud. It's no, hot it's and it's loud outside. So, uh, again, uh, you know, you guys know, hopefully know by now, 617-722-2370, 617-722-2370. That's the office. We are staffed. Uh, but, you know, we can't pick up two phones at once. So, you know, it's Jerry Paracelo's office, you know, by a classmate when I came in and you got to wait for him to go by. Then you get my uh, series of numbers. Uh, tacky.chan at mahouse.gov, T-A-C-K-E-Y.C-H-N at mahouse.gov. I mean, that's my email. It also is the same email I received testimony uh, for the committee, giving back a couple of hearings are coming up. It's starting to fill up with testimony. So um, you can drop me a line. I'll try to find your email and I'll make sure that, you know, we'll read it and, um, Constituent service first, constituent service first, constituent service first. It's, a, it's not a complicated world for me. Um, State Representative Tacky Chan Facebook. You know, there'll be some postings here there of my comings and goings. And tackychan.org is the uh, website I use, again, for reference pages for people to call people, call agencies and whatnot. as opposed to have to call me first. And uh, you have uh, malegislature.gov, which is the state's official website, malegislature.gov. The legislative website, you can look at bills, uh, you can track the hearings, and our hearings are recorded on Microsoft Teams, so you can watch the replay if you really want to. And, of course, you know, stay tuned to QATV and Joe, a first thing in the morning's podcast. And, uh, you know, you can find me in your favorite podcast app. Absolutely. <laughs> or just stop by the state house. But you can do that, too. The, we are open for tours. Um and there's no restrictions. And I can happily say the Ashburton Park section of the State House is now open. They finished it right before 9-11, the renovations in time for 9-11 Memorial. Uh, we've been living with no second access uh, to the State House uh, pretty much from the spring on. Actually, I think from the winter on. So it's great that we have our uh, second entrance open. And it is a fully handicapped accessible entrance. So if you're visiting, um, you, know, be mind- you can be mindful that you just don't have to go down to Hooker Statue which is on Beacon Street, but you can come around the code and go to Bowdoin Street and uh, uh, access it from the Ashburn entrance. Good to know. We'll let you get back on the road, Tacky. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. I'll see you next week.